This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 11th, 2015. Exodus, here I am. So Moses, the one who God called from a bush on fire, a a bush that burned but wasn't consumed. The one God called to free his people Israel, the people enslaved for 430 years under Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The ones Pharaoh feared because of their sheer number, their sheer presence in Egypt. Moses, who was he? Where did he come from? And and why did God call him? Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Thank you, God, for today. It's no accident that any one of us are here. You called us, you care for us, you love us. Now, God, help us set aside any distractions that we might have brought in with us so that we can focus on your living word, the Bible, the scripture, and apply it to our lives so that we can get connected with you and in turn live out our mission as a church to connect people with Jesus and the life that he offers. We pray this in your name. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. So as we shared last week, when the number of Hebrew people living in Egypt got extremely large, we're talking a couple million, it made the Egyptian king kind of nervous. He was a new king who didn't understand the unique relationship that existed between the Hebrews and the Egyptians, the relationship because Joseph had been second in command and had brought his family down to Egypt when a famine occurred, and that family of 70 had grown to a couple of million. The fear caused the king to put the slave masters over the Hebrew people and to work them ruthlessly. But the more the slaves were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. The king told the Hebrew midwives that when they helped the Hebrew women in childbirth, they were to kill each boy that was delivered. They were to let the girls live. Well, the midwives uh, uh, didn't do it, and they claimed that they couldn't get there in time, that the Hebrew women gave birth too quickly. And so Pharaoh then gave orders to all the people to throw the newborn boys into the Nile River and to let the young girls, the baby girls, live. So there was one Hebrew woman, uh, after giving birth, she kept her her child hidden for three months. And then she sent this child down the river in a basket, and we're told in the Bible that the basket was coated with tar and pitch, so she like made this boat. While bathing downstream, Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket, retrieved the basket, and sent her slave girl to go find a Hebrew woman who could feed this baby because the baby was so young. She went and found the baby's mother who nursed him until he was old enough. He was sent back to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So check this out. Here we have a child who Pharaoh ordered to be uh, put to death. The mother saved the child put him out in the river. The Pharaoh's daughter rescues this baby, says, you know, I want him to be my son, but he's too young. I can't feed him. uh, Moses, this baby's mother, feeds the baby. 
and then he ends up being Pharaoh's grandson. I mean, really, only God could have contrived this whole uh, web that was weaved. The baby's name, I already gave it away, it's Moses. Moses. Uh, the meaning of Moses is uh, the one who was drawn out. It means to draw out because he was drawn out of the River Nile. Now later, the, the grown-up Moses, um, he secretly killed an Egyptian because the Egyptian overseer was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. Now, he thought he had done it secretly, but word got out, and so he, uh, he left town to stay one step ahead of Pharaoh's uh, death sentence. He fled to a place called Midian, where if you look on the map, it's kind of uh, northeast on the northeast side of the Red Sea. Um, while he um, was out there traveling to Midian, out there kind of in a desert area, he came across seven sisters. Not bad. They were drawing water for their father's flock. Moses rescued them from, some, uh, from other shepherds who were giving them a hard time, and, and he watered their flock for them. What a guy. So they go home, tell daddy about this guy. He's like, hello, bring him home to dinner. I think he's got son-in-law in mind, which in fact came to pass because Moses did in fact marry one of his girls named Zipporah. They had a son named Gershom. You know, all their names have meaning. Gershom's name meant, I have become an alien in a foreign land. Anyway, it was during this long period of time, because this didn't just happen. When you read it, it's like Moses leaves, he's there, boom, 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 boom. This is years in the making. And during that time period, that long period of time, the king of Egypt, the one who knew of Moses killing the guy, that king died. He was gone, okay? So we've got a new era going on there in Egypt. And it was also during this time that the, uh, the Hebrews, also known as the Israelites, they cried out to God in their slavery. I mean, they've been slaves for over 400 years. As we shared last week, God heard their groaning. Need a slide, please. God heard their groaning. There we go. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. So today we have some lessons to share from our scripture found in Exodus. So we want you to take out your program, get the pen in front of you, and write down the lessons that we're going to share. This is good stuff. We worked hard on this. Lesson number one, God doesn't forget us. God does not forget us. Now, sometimes it seems like he does. God seems far away. We can't feel God. We don't experience God. God, you forgot me. No, God does not forget us. But God's timing is different than our timing. God's reasoning is different than our reasoning. God's big picture is so much bigger than what we can see in our little microscopic thought or mind or view. It may seem like God has forgotten us, but that is simply not the case. There's nothing in this book that indicates that God would ever forget us. We believe, we believe in faith that that is the case. Hmm. Chapter 3 of Exodus begins by... Um, 
by telling us that Moses was tending some sheep for his father-in-law, and I'm always marvel at this name, Jethro. Sounds more like West Virginia than, than Middle East. But anyway, Jethro, from the Beverly Hillbillies, Jethro, who was a priest of Midian. And, and, and it's interesting how, how, how Moses had gone from the most prestigious, prestigious positions in the world, the, uh, the adopted grandson of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to being a lowly shepherd, one of the less, less, you know, not one of those go-to jobs. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of those, gosh, I always dreamed of being a shepherd kind of a jobs. But shepherds have always played an important part of God's story with us. Abraham had sheep. So did his son Isaac and his, and, and his son Jacob. King David, who was going to come in later years, was a shepherd boy. And ultimately, we call Jesus the great shepherd. As, as, he, as he cares for us, his flock, his sheep. So Moses led his flock to um, the far part of the desert and came to Horeb, which was a mountain. It's called the mountain of God. And here we pick it up, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, say it with me, here I am. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. First of all, a bush that's on fire but's not consumed. I think that would get most of our attention. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, that just, it doesn't make sense. When something's on fire, it burns up, right? If it's not burning, how does it stay on fire? And, um, and you know, the really interesting thing is, if you ever watch these movies about this, like the, the Ten Commandments or what we had the clip from today, the Princey, it always looks so fake, doesn't it? You know why? Because for us, it would have to be fake. We can't make a burning bush that doesn't burn up, can we? No, that's why it always looks fake. But God can, and so this is definitely a God thing. Well, another interesting point about this particular scripture is that God calls Moses by name. He says, Moses, Moses. I mean, not once, but twice. So he really wanted to get Moses' attention. It reminds me of like when I want to call one of my kids, I'm like, Turner, Turner, you know, you emphasize. Or the funny thing is, is when maybe they call my name, hey, mom, 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 Carrie. I'm like, oh. Always gets your attention, <laughs> guaranteed. So God calls Moses by name. Here's the really important thing for you to realize and remember and take in. God calls you by name. God knows every one of your names. That's the thing. God knows every name. All seven billion people on this planet, those who will go before us, those who are after us, God knows our names. How does God do that? God created us. God knows what God creates, God loves who God creates. And the point isn't that God just knows our name. 
God knows who we are inside and out. I mean, it's like God created us. To di- Don't we know what we create? You know, if we're building something, we know inside and out. It's the very same thing. God knows you. All the good stuff, all the not so good stuff, all the obvious stuff, all the hidden stuff. God knows, God cares. From the smallest detail in your life to something that's kind of pretty big, God knows and cares about it all. Another interesting thing about this passage is how far away from home, how far away from into the wilderness, how, how far from the normal distractions of life Moses is. He, he was on a mountain on the far side of the desert, it tells us. The mountain was known as the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. They, that's where they thought God resided, on the mountain. How, how appropriate for an encounter with the Holy One, right? But, but see, here's the thing. It's really difficult for God to get our attention when there's a lot of noise around us, when there's a lot of distraction. When you're riding to work with the radio blaring, I know even a Christian station, God's got to be able to talk to me through that. Well, he might. God can. But sometimes it's really tough to get through all the noise. You know, when you got the TV blaring or there's always racket or distraction, it's really hard for God to get our attention. That's why, that's why prayer is so important. You see, we think prayer is often us talking to God, but think about this, one to two ratio, two to one. Listen twice as much as we talk, and if we listen twice as much, there's an opportunity for us to hear God calling to us, sharing with us, giving us direction, you know? And so it's important to get out of the noise. It's impossible to say, here I am, when we can't hear when God's there. That's why we, today it's, here I am with H-E-A-R. Here I am, Lord. I'm listening. I'm trying to listen. And, and so, so God gets Moses' attention first with the fire and kind of draws him in. So it's important for him to be able to hear, you know? When, 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 God, when God whispers our name, it, it's important to be quiet. And God more often will whisper than come in a shout. When we read in, in 1 Kings 19 in the Old Testament where he, he, Elijah, uh, Elijah's up on a mountain there, and, and there was, there was uh, thunder and lightning and, and wind and, and, uh, and uh, 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 an earthquake even. And, he, and God was in none of those, the Scripture tells us. And then at the end it said, and basically, God came in a whisper. God called to Elijah in a whisper. And I found more often than not, God calls it with me and other people I know in whispers, not in big shouts. Lesson number two. What? I just thought of something. On Right Now Media, there's this Bible study called Whispers of God. It's really cool mm. for your small group to do. All right. By Bill Hybels. Yep. Whisper of God. If, if we want to hear God, number two, you got your pen right? I don't see a lot of pens here. Come on now. It's important stuff. There's going to be a test. You better study. Point number two, if we want, and I've noticed last service, the we females take a whole lot more note takers than the guys. I'm just saying, if we want to hear God, we need to get away from the, Always exception to the rule. If we want to hear God, congratulations, Gary. If we want to hear God, we, got, we need to get away from the distractions around us. If we want to hear God, we need to get away from the distractions around us. So Moses did hear God when God called.
called his name. And Moses responded by saying, here I am. Now we see this response, here I am, a number of times in scripture. Uh, the angel called Abraham, we learn about Abraham in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. The angel called to Abraham by name, and Abe's response was, here I am. When the angel of the Lord called to Jacob, we also read about him in Genesis. I love Jacob. Anyway, um, he talked to Jacob in a dream. Jacob said, here I am. And then later in Jacob's life, God actually spoke to Jacob directly, we read. And this time he said, Jacob, Jacob. So we know twice, it's kind of important. Jacob's response again was, here I am. So the question today, what about you? What about you? When God calls your name, what will your response be? Now again, when God calls or talks to us, for me, it's not like this, Carrie, this is God. I wish it was, but that's not how that goes most of the time. It's this, it's this nudge or this thought that comes in my head that didn't really like, ooh, where did that come from? Or this sense in my heart or this feeling in my body where I just know that God's trying to get my attention to lead me to something, to have me respond to what God would want me to do. And the problem is, is when I'm going so bit, when I'm going at a 200 miles an hour, I can't respond because I don't hear. And the days that I don't start my day off sitting, I, we have a sunroom and I have this place set up where I've got my Bible and my devotional and it feels like a separate place for me where if I don't start out there and do what I know I'm called to do, read the Bible and pray, and I've added journaling to that, then the rest of my day kind of doesn't fall in line because I haven't taken time to listen to God. Or if I'm in the car, if I, I'm keeping the radio off now because I want to hear from God. Now, God just doesn't call us these big burning bush things, but in the little things, too, God's in the details of our lives. Not just the world-changing stuff, the details, the everyday. So, again, what's your response going to be when God calls your name? Here's lesson number three. Get ready to write this down. Sooner or later, God will call. Do you know that sooner or later God's going to call each one of you? Or maybe God already has. Because God made you, God loves you, God designed you, you have a purpose and a plan. You're not here by accident, not on this earth by accident. Sooner or later God will speak to you. How will you respond? Exodus 3, 5 through 6. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You know, they believed that if you looked at God face to face that you would die. So he hid his face. God told Moses to take off his sandals. It was a sign of reverence in that culture. 
And why? Because Moses was on holy ground. This was Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. This would be where one would expect an encounter with the Holy One. It would be what you would call holy ground, right? Sure. But the truth is, isn't, isn't holy ground where we're standing whenever we're in God's presence? Right? And, and here's the thing. Aren't we always in God's presence? I've heard people over the years say, wow, the Holy Spirit was really in the sanctuary today. Well, let me tell you something. Holy Spirit's in the sanctuary every day, every Sunday. Now, what we might be more say, boy, I was really aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. But the Holy Spirit's here just waiting for us to be open. <laughs> just listening, just being open. We're always in God's presence. And and so, if we're always in God's presence, then aren't we always on holy ground? Always on holy ground. In our culture, we generally don't take our sandals off or our shoes off as a, as a sign of reverence. So the question would be, in reverence to God, what do you do? Is it the way you act? What you say? <laughs> Maybe for a lot of us, it's what we don't say. <laughs> or what we stop saying when we feel like we're in God's presence. And it's like somebody, they start to cuss and they realize we're pastor. Oh, I'm sorry. Or somebody wants to be really cute, then they purposely cuss because we're a pastor. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, if, if, if I'm in a certain place in church, I won't say that. Put your foot on that ground. Feel that? Somebody said, oh yeah, well, I said, what is that? They said, it's cement. Yeah, it's cement. But you're in holy ground right now, right? Because we're in church! Church is supposed to be the holy place, right? Well, let me ask you, it's church. You go home. God's there. So it's a holy place, isn't it? When you go to work, it might not seem real godly some days, depending on where you work, but trust me, God is there. And so that's a holy place as well. You might not, want to, you might not take your sandals off, because somebody say, you take your shoes off for it, and you might have to, that wouldn't make sense. But the way you act, the way you talk, the things you say, the things you don't say can show a reverence for God. Home, work, school, playground, ball field, wherever you are, holy ground, holy ground. Number four, get the pen, here we go. Number four, all ground. Say it with me, all ground is holy ground since God is there. All ground is holy ground since God is there and God's everywhere. All right, so let's get back to Moses. God proceeded to tell Moses that God heard the cries of God's people. God uh, knew of their misery and was so concerned about their suffering and that God was going to rescue them and bring them out of slavery into a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds a little strange, but, but a land flowing with milk and honey is a metaphor uh, for a place where plants and animals are flourishing. Honey, because the bees are doing a great job at pollinating, and milk, because the animals are reproducing. You see, it's life. It's a place where there's life. So God told Moses that he had a plan for 
for Moses to be used by God to free God's people. It was Moses that was going to be charged to carry out God's plan. Mm. And so Moses immediately starts backpedaling, saying, who is he, Moses, that he should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? The Lord starts the excuse, do you blame him? How would you like if God said, hey, I want you to go to the most powerful guy in the region and say, I want my two million people to you to release all of your free labor here. Wow, can't hardly blame him. But anyway, starts back, and God assures him, Moses, that God would be with him. And so Moses continues to try to get out of the assignment. And this is what he says next. He says, what if they ask me the name of, uh, of the God who sent me? What should I tell them? And the, and the Lord says, well, I am who I am. It also translates it and says, I will be who I will be. He says, so go tell them, I am sent you. I am. That's interesting, am, I am, am is a verb. I used to teach English briefly, but I taught it. I know these things. It's a verb. Remember your eighth grade or whatever you took those things, what, what verbs and nouns and all are? It's a verb. And usually we don't use verbs to name things, do we? Your name is known as a proper noun, right? Because it's a person, place, or thing. God's not a noun. God's verbal. That makes sense because God was, God is, God will be. Remember that, what, how was that verb is different than all, it's a state of being. So God is a kind of a state of being rather than a thing or an it. Pretty cool when you think about it. So I Moses am. has lots and lots of objections and states them to the Lord. And God continues to say, okay, I'm going to be with you. I will be with you. I am going to uh, give you what you need to convince Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and then Moses finally says, you know, I don't even speak right. The Bible says slow of speech and tongue. So apparently Moses has a speech impediment. And at this point, God has had enough. You know, God's a very patient God, but we read in Scripture, he, he gets pretty ticked off at this point, and he tells Moses that he will give Moses what to say. And then Moses asks God to send somebody else. Send somebody else, God. <laughs> now, it's hard for us to capture the speech impediment because who here has seen the Ten Commandments, that movie from like the 50s? And you see Charlton Heston as Moses, bigger than I. He doesn't need anybody talking for him, does he? He does his own speaking. You always got to be careful of Hollywood when they take the Bible. Because they always, just like with any book, the, the Hollywood, there's always some changes. It's like Prince of E. Any, any uh, time they've taken scripture and put it onto film or TV or whatever, you got to be careful. And you got to go back to the original, find out what it really was to get the truth. Exodus 4, 18, 14 through 18. Then, you don't, want, you don't want to test the Lord's patience. patience. God's very patient, but Moses has tested him here. So then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. <laughs> He's already on his way to meet you. 
He's already got this thing under control. And he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you were, uh, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Wow. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it, the, the things we talked about last week, all the, uh, all the plagues. And then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and I, I mean, he, he's given it up now. <laughs> he's done. He says, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. <laughs> he's not sounding real enthusiastic here, is he? And Jethro says, go, and I wish you well. So after all of this arguing with God, Moses returns to Egypt and he goes head to toe, head to head with the Pharaoh, the most powerful, powerful king in the area. Now here's the thing though to remember, God prepared Moses all along for this moment. God prepared Moses because remember Moses sent, spent his formative years in Pharaoh's court. He was one of them. He knew the lay of the land. In fact, he was Pharaoh's grandson. So he was returning to his stomping ground, his old, he knew exactly what he was, you know, where he was entering, and God would give him exactly what he needed. Many years prior, for such a time as this, he was well prepared. And so here's the fifth and final lesson for you to write down. God doesn't send us into battle empty-handed. God gives us what we need for what God calls us to do. I'm just giving a second to write it. Okay. So just as God prepared Moses years and years ahead of time for his role of freeing God's people from Pharaoh, God prepares us gives us the necessary tools, spiritual gifts, the training needed for whatever God's going to call us to do. Often that training comes, and we're not even aware at the time what God's doing. Little did I know when I was getting a degree, an English degree, from the University of Delaware back in 1976. I know you can't believe I'm that old, but yeah, back in 76. Little did I know that God would have me using what I learned in those classes virtually every day in my work as a pastor. Like I say, my high school English teachers, I, I wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as some other subject. And I'm sure they would be rolling over now thinking every day of, every week of my life, I write an eight to 10 page research uh, kind of paper. You know, every week they go, Alan Jones, yeah, right. Little did I realize as I was selling insurance and managing other agents that God would use what I was learning in those capacities to help me in my role as pastor years later. Who would know? God knew. God knew well in advance what was needed. So as, as many of you know, I went to college to be a nurse and I was working actively as a nurse for a lot of years. When God uh, called me into ministry, you also may have heard a number of times that I kind of went kicking and screaming because I really felt called to be a nurse. And, and when it came right down to it, 
down to it, I loved God more than I loved what I thought about my own life, so I was going to be obedient and do what God called me to do. So I'm on the way home from my job. I knew it was my last day of my career as a nurse. And the, the staff that I was working with, I was working with the Division of Public Health at the time, had thrown a party and given me a gift. This was, I was crying my eyes off, this was sitting beside me in the car, and it says, I heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send, who will go for me? And I answered, here am I, send me. So as, as I was on my way home, knowing that I would never again be a full-time nurse, I heard on the radio uh, the announcer said, you know what you can do, but is that what God is calling you to do? And it's like, <laughs> okay, I give up. Yes, I'll do it. And, you know, it just boils down to, here am I. Here I am. You know, Moses was like, are you calling me? But really what God wants is, okay. Here I am because I trust you, and I will go where you call me. I will listen to what you say to me. And so God has equipped you and continues to equip you for what God is calling you to do. So the question is, what will your response be when God calls? First of all, will you be able to hear God when God calls? you have enough quiet time with God in your day-to-day -day where you'll be able to hear when God whispers your name. And if you hear him, will you give him a million excuses like Moses did, encouraging God to send someone instead of you? Or will you respond like the prophet Isaiah when the Lord asked, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And the prophet Isaiah responded, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are almighty. You know all things. You're the author and creator of our very lives. We're not some random act of boom, here we are, but we are designed and created by you with a purpose and a plan. God, help us um, learn from this passage, this scripture found in Exodus, and learn from Moses, and take these lessons and apply them to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for never leaving us, never turning your back on us, but just loving us into women and men who are faithful. We thank you and praise you that together we have a mission to connect people with Jesus and the life he offers. Let's do that. Lord, help guide us as we do that together. We give all this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said,
Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.